0: Shares for Beginners.
1: My nephew is 12 and I was back in, uh, back in New Zealand and in New Zealand was doing a capital raise and uh, he turned to me and said, oh, I've got in New Zealand and my shares, he's thinking, will, will this impact, you know, will my shares be diluted? He's 12, he's talking about <laughs> share dilution. Like, he understands compound returns and compound interest. Like, I've been in the industry for 25 years, I still don't believe it, it's, but it's magic and, you know, returns will compound and that's a massive gain that you're making returns on returns.
2: G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. What's going on in markets at the moment? Does anyone have any idea? Are you looking at coal or lithium as the energy source of the past, present and or future? Here to explain everything is Brendan Doggett. Hello, Brendan. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming. Brendan Doggett is the country manager of Sharesies AU, which is a brokerage. We can call it a brokerage. Yes, That's the yes, best sure. way. Yeah, yeah. description. The Sharesies platform has over 550,000 investors across New Zealand and Australia who have collectively invested nearly $2 billion Australian. So we were just chatting before we hit the record button, but um, you're from Wellington, New Zealand. We were just uh, talking about what a great little... Startup Fintech Hub New Zealand and Wellington, especially, is
1: yeah. So, so born in Wellington, came over here in two thousand. Um, yeah, Shezies is a Wellington-based firm. Lots of great fintechs in New Zealand. Lots of good SaaS companies. Like the Kiwi yeah. ingenuity is really, really strong. Mm-hmm. And I think the community in Wellington, particularly, is very supportive of each other. So you have founders helping out other founders, and um, people who made some money, maybe in early when they set up and got into zero early, and reinvesting that in startups. So it's a really kind of nurturing culture. I think that Wellington maybe got.
2: something to do with. The shakiness and then the windiness of the city oh, yeah, as you have well. to be
1: tough and tough in new zealand and you know good old kiwi ingenuity
2: yeah i i was really disappointed when i was we were in wellington um we were in that restaurant with the swinging chandelier oh yeah, yeah. and it wasn't swinging the day that we, we <laughs> it's we're. was probably there. one of the only days it didn't <laughs> so tell us about your background in finance
1: sure so yeah born, born and raised in wellington went to university there um started at ernst and young um decided to head for london but ended up in sydney when the olympics were on and thought wow this is Beaches, weather, um, (laughs) parties, jobs, finance, it was all kind of perfect, so I didn't get to London. And then went to work at the Stock Exchange and and kind of went through the houses, Macquarie and Citibank and and Westpac, mainly in compliance roles early in my career and legal roles. So really got to see um, the impact of good or bad decisions on customers in the financial services industry. And then um, the job at Sharesies came up, you know, I was at Westpac for seven and a half years, ready for a change. good Kiwi company great brand affinity in New Zealand my nephew uh, it's the only job that he's ever been impressed that I have at Sharesies because he knows it he's in Wellington and then um got the job spec through and uh, two of the co-founders happened to walk past my house in Darlinghurst which was a very weird coincidence so it was like this is fate I've got to get this job and (laughs) I'm lucky enough to actually have got it
2: let's talk about compliance And um, because that wasn't really the point of the interview, but we did start raving again before we hit the record button. Compliance seems to be, I don't know, it feels from the outside looking in for someone who's not from a finance background like myself, that all these rules are set up, obviously to protect people, but it's also not helping people find good financial advice.
1: That's right, so I was at Macquarie um, equities just before the GFC and after the GFC. Um, and compliance compliance is very important. The outcomes for compliance are good outcomes for customers so their money is protected they're getting advice which is in their best interest
2: and we should just define here compliance or all the regulations yeah regulations. so around have, the industry um,
1: yeah ASIC would be the, the you know the biggest regulator with um, regulations in relation to advice and the financial services industry that impacts us and it's all around good customer outcomes which no one would disagree with that's like that's awesome money that comes from
2: a good place yeah it? and yeah. money
1: people work hard for their money they want to know it's secure they want to know someone's not just giving them dodgy advice for the advisor's best and self-interest and but it's been going for a long time it's very complex the corporations act is massive the regulatory guides are incomprehensible sometimes uh, people are worried there's lots of things that can go wrong sometimes for by the advisor or just the market so there's a lot of risk in that and that creates a lot of complexity so you've got your um, people on the street you know getting advice and investing well is important, but at the moment, with the complexity of regulation and and how the industry is going, either advice is very expensive or so general that it's not helpful, and people just don't know where to go. Um, so it it is it's a bit of a, It's a real gap. You can't get good quality, affordable advice
2: at the moment. We we append all of our episodes by saying you know consult a financial advisor, mm. but then a financial advisor is not someone who's. Uh, accessible to most people, especially if you don't have a lot of money. Yeah, and
1: where, where do you even find them these where do, days? That's um, right. Yeah, um, where you people do you find are leaving them? the industry. Yeah. like where do you yeah, Google them? What you know, it's hard to hard to even find. You know, do you have to go into an office? Do you fill out some forms? Do you need two hundred thousand dollars? Do you need, like it's? There's so many barriers to that.
2: And and it's also like you can't even make a phone call and ask them a simple question. You know, because suddenly you've got to be given the whole $5,000 statement of advice.
1: Yeah, because there's so much risk in it. And, and a good advisor will not just give you a little bit of advice because they want to know your you know, your your goals, your investment horizon, what debts you have, how you're insured, what, what your family situation is like, how much you owe on your mortgage. Like, that's a big conversation. So they're very yeah. um, reticent to, to give that advice for, for good reasons, but people just need a bit of help.
2: And isn't uh, there a, an inquiry going on at the moment? Is it the levy inquiry?
1: Yeah this um, looks to be some changes to to the advice um, compliance structure. Mm. there is a best interest duty which is kind of like you have to look everywhere and make sure the advice you're giving is in the best interest of the client and there's no better advice anywhere. that's massive right and that's yeah. You know, it's not well-defined, so people are a bit worried about that by giving advice. So so some of that seems to be that that will be un- unwound a little bit, which might mean that advice is, is easier to get. But again, there's lots of compliance around that, so, so we'll see what happens.
2: And many people, especially younger folk now, are uh, going online and YouTube videos and podcasts and TikTok and Instagram and all sorts of places to get financial advice. What are yeah. your thoughts about that? Well, it's
1: like, I think there's some great, um, you know, She's on the Money, uh, your podcast. There's lots of great podcasts of people who really care about what they're doing and making sure people understand the markets and, and all the different types of investments and ways to do that. But it's hard to tell who's good, who's bad, who's self-interested. Um, you know, ASIC has put out some guidance in relation to Finfluencers, um, which means lots of people aren't talking about financial matters anymore, which is it leaves a big gap in the market. And then there's other areas like, say, crypto, which are less regulated, um, that that you know are kind of going into that gap, and that might be a bad outcome for some people. Because really, when you're starting out, when you're younger, you should work out a budget, you should pay down your high interest debt, you should have an emergency fund, it's all and You should look at investing, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. who's going to Who's going to pay for that advice, or who's going to charge for that advice? Like that's not needed. They're you know they're great concepts, and that's the basis when you know twenty, thirty before you get a mortgage or something. That's all you really need.
2: Mm. So we can't talk about that specky gold miner that we were planning to? <laughs> to <laughs> well, we'll today. do that later. We'll do that later. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to sharesies. Let's look at some of the sharesies investor trends. This interview came off the back of um, your August newsletter, mm. which you can talk about the data that you see from people investing using sharesies and what they're buying and selling. So we're looking at energy-related stocks, and coal and lithium, which Mm. seem to be um, talking about two different forces acting at the same time.
1: Exactly. It's super interesting, because if you Mm. look at coal, two years ago, coal was being phased out. You know, we're we're closing down on the coal-fired... Stranded asset. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And like, what what was going to happen? And people were really worried about that. I think with the energy crisis overseas, the Russia-Ukrainian conflict continuing, um, people are looking at australian like digging coal out of the ground in australia which is great for us so we've got lots of resources but with these coal mines and the coal price is high so they're making you know quite good money out of that so but where are the profits going to go they're not going to invest it into more coal infrastructure because in two years time they going much more to renewables and and whatnot. So the the idea is that they're making great profit, but that money's going to have to go somewhere and it may be returned to shareholders through dividends or, or whatnot. So that increases the kind of price, probably a shortish term play, I would say. Mm. And then if we look at lithium, lithium is obviously a very important uh, metal for for battery storage for EVs. And it's also kind of linked quite closely to the tech story. So tech companies like Tesla, Tesla, um, you know, big, big EV providers. So that's kind of seen as the, you know, the future of energy. Um, and we're lucky enough to have lots of lithium in this country as well. So it's, but yeah, weird kind of that they're they're both coming at the same time, but the world has been a bit weird for two years. So, you know, there's lots, of, <laughs> lots to surprise.
2: Oh, I'd say for two millennia. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's
1: always weird. Uh,
2: I th- and this is something I, I go on a little bit about is that um, both coal and lithium are actual commodities. Mm, yeah. And uh, I think people hear the story, they always hear the lithium story, or they they hear the coal story without actually thinking about what a commodity is. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, and con- commodities mm. are interchangeable, right? So you yeah. have lots of different mining companies pulling the same metal out of the ground. It's the same metal, it's potentially not scarce. Um, you know, what, what does that mean? So the prices can fluctuate, as we see with the lithium miners particularly, the prices go up and down. Mm. You know, it's a little bit like um, Afterpay used to be, it was quite quite a volatile stock. Lithium's the same. And I think tied to the tech company thing, that also gives a bit of volatility because tech companies, by their very nature, are forward focused and profit and they're taking a punt now. But the same with minerals, you know, it's like, are we going to find that? Is it going to be a big deposit? You know, there's lots at play which keep that volatility going. But with lithium, there is absolutely a need for it in, in all that kind of electronics, EV, battery storage. So there is kind mm-hmm. of a demand there. Um, but yeah, it's a commodity and interchangeable.
2: It is, it is. And um, uh, I think over the last week, and we're recording on September 15, just to date to stamp this, is Elon Musk has been trying to secure lithium supplies for Tesla, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, and Tesla, like Elon is Tesla. And yeah. I think, you know, he, he tweets, we see what he does, he makes, and he can move markets with what he's doing. And, uh, you know, Tesla is delivering vehicles, is continuing to innovate, and... Um, Need lithium for those batteries and as more car manufacturers move to ev there's going to be greater demand for that and i think with the geopolitical stuff in europe that impacts you know where where the world will get lithium from too and other components for those things yeah so i think that's still like a you know there's a decent growth story in those companies and those the mining companies and the um the companies which use those minerals
2: and of course amongst your uh, users Is that the best way to use them, users and clients? Well, yeah, we
1: call them investors. Investors, um, yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. Amongst uh, Sharesy's investors, Tesla remains one of the, the big stocks, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, and U- US Tesla is always up. Mm-hmm. If it's not number one, it's number two or three. And on both buy and sell sides because of the volatility. But also our investors are really interested in holding companies which they know they you mm. know they believe the fundamentals of the c- company the products are ones that they can see themselves using the management team is you know interesting stable visionary um and tesla's got that and it's a bit of fun you know yeah tesla everyone wants to talk about tesla or what elon's done or you know the up and down so it's kind of good water cooler dinner party conversation as well
2: and he's he's quite a, a character, isn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, you know he's all over TikTok. He talks mm-hmm. about lots of different things. You know, he's really when you look at it like rockets, cars, trucks. Hyper-loops. I mean, when you look at
2: the rockets, I mean, uh, SpaceX I think are the largest deliverers of payload. Mm. In the world now, it's not NASA anymore. or oh, no. the Russians. It's it's SpaceX.
1: And you look up at the sky and you see lights going across and and, yeah. and a line. It's like, what's that? But well, that's Elon's low orbit satellites delivering internet to to the world. It's like. Who would have thought?
2: Yeah. Uh, and we're kind of uh, a bit sanguine about it, aren't we? It's just, like, oh, just, it's just Elon being Elon. But yeah.
1: it's pretty incredible what he's achieved. It's incredible. I don't know, like, does he sleep? I don't, I don't <laughs>
2: think he does. He obviously doesn't work out like all the other tech billionaires. Yeah, though. that's <laughs> right.
1: He, uh, he got a bit of feedback on that, I think. He's gone on a bit of a diet.
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard.
2: So there's been a rotation out of individual stocks to ETFs. What what is the nature of that um, rotation?
1: Yeah, what, what we see when the market is uh, continuing to be volatility. So the last eight months have been particularly volatile after quite a good bull market. So mm. people were investing, market was going up. They'd buy you know five companies and some ETFs. When the market keeps being volatile, some of the lessons I think of the last eight months have been when you're concentrated in companies, they can go up and down, and that's not a that's not a comfortable place to be looking when your portfolio might be in the red in times like this. And so we see a return to more Australian blue chips or companies which can pass on inflation like you you know West Farmers, Coles, Woolies, whatnot. But then also ETFs give that diversification. So you think oh well you know my one company's gone down and that impacts my portfolio. Whereas an ETF, a well-constructed ETF across the ASX or the US or the world Gives that diversification, someone else has done that for you, it automatically kind of rebalances, it's a good place to park your cash. And then particularly if you look back at the 10 years of the market, you know, all things being equal, the markets are probably going to keep rising. And the return for the last 10 years is around about 9% if you reinvest dividends. So that's kind of a, that's quite a good return. Pop your money in there and just kind of keep investing. And lots of our investors have done that. And they just are doing auto-invest weekly, putting some money in, just continuing to do that. And ETFs are super popular when there's a bit of uncertainty.
2: Is that something about the learning process is that people go in gung-ho into the markets and they think, oh, I love all these companies and they're all going up, you know, and you go through that period. But that's when the real learning comes is when there's a bear market like we're going through now or a bearish. Depends on your point of view yeah. really, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's um lots of our investors are new to investing. So when the market starts to do,
2: da- do you have data on that, that they are actually very yeah very Yeah, new. so um,
1: yeah. lots of our investors, so we've got over 600,000 now in Australia and New Zealand. Um, we survey them, they're not trading through anyone else, they've been new to investing or and it's like their first couple of years, um, which is great. And then we think, well, the market's just being a bit choppy at the moment, how do you feel about that? And so our investors are telling us, actually, their risk profile hasn't changed. In fact, they're more bullish about buying. They understand the market cycles, and in fact, you know some of those companies they've been watching feel a little bit cheap at the moment. Potentially, the products are still there; there is still demand, but they realise that the market price of that company is impacted by lots of things not to do with the company. Mm. And they learn through you know podcasts, um, you know, great blog content, talking to each other, and they they get that you know the markets in downturns. Dollar cost averaging is super boring, but super popular and a really good way to invest through the market's ups and downs and when the market's down dollar cost averaging is even better because the markets all things being equal will we'll kind of keep continuing to rise.
2: I'm so heartened by all this because I hear this from so many people is that, um, you know, learning these skills and learning about dollar cost averaging and learning about diversification mm. are just like become, have become basic lessons. Whereas, you know, t- even just 10 years ago, there was no information, very, very little information about this, wasn't
1: there? Yeah. And my um, uh, my nephew is 12 and I was back in, uh, back in New Zealand and in New Zealand was doing a capital raise. And uh, he turned to me and said, oh, I've got, in New Zealand, and my shares. This thing. Will, will this impact? You know, will my shares be diluted? He's twelve. He's talking about <laughs> share dilution. Like he understands compound returns and compound interest. Like I've been in the industry for twenty five years. I still don't believe it. It's but it's magic, and you know, returns will compound, and that's a massive gain that you're making. Returns on returns. So there's all these concepts that people are naturally through investing and on shares you can buy and we fractionalize the market so you can buy one cent of a share. So you can play around, test it out, learn without feeling like you're going to lose 200, 300 bucks at a time which people learn through doing and not being talked down to. So lots of our content is jargon-free. We try and talk about, you know, what's diversification? We've got great brand assets and the pineapple and fruit. So we can talk about, you know, diversification as having a fruit bowl and, you know, the different companies in there spreads the risk um, and people just pick these concepts up. And for too long, the industry has had so many walls to getting in, like, jargon, you know, you make yeah. make customers feel stupid so, you, so that they have to come to you for advice, like, it's just a different world now.
2: So goodbye, Netflix. Hello, Disney.
1: Yeah, Netflix seems to be losing subscribers. And I don't know about you, but um, I've got all the streaming services and Netflix doesn't seem to you know, grab my attention anymore. I think that's happening around the world. You know, they're dropping millions of subscribers and coming up with new ways to create revenue with an ad thing. But people are saying, well, Disney's been around for a long time. Disney's already worked out how to monetize their content. They've got such a massive library that Anonymous they just seem, library. yeah, it's, it's they're, unbelievable. They're using yeah. it really well. They've got access to sports, and it seems to be, you know, the thing. And those streaming services, there is a lot of them, and you've got to think there'll be consolidation. But Disney has like got that brand, got the content, got the the financial might behind them, and they're just adding subscribers. So people are kind of flocking to that more now.
2: And they were a complete failure, Disney. I was just reading about the history of Disney the other day, and um, I think during the the thirties till the forties that they they were just losing money hand over fist they were like a like a startup really yeah and, and it's like um, yeah, i but... think it was snow white and the seven dwarfs suddenly paid for everything and um, built the expansion that they went forward on
1: yeah it's great yeah. the history of disney is, is awesome to look at from a it's you know, it's almost like richard branson and virgin like mm. but it's played out again and and those are the companies that you want to know the story research, do your due diligence on and believe in and you know imagine if you got into disney shares you know 30 40 years ago and and held on to them
2: and do you find investors are more interested in the u.s market than the aussie market
1: definitely the u.s market is our second most so lots of people in australia know the companies know the people know the products Uh, the u.s was very popular particularly in tech names so it's all the big you know microsoft tesla apple all the ones that you would expect um and people like oh yeah i've bought shares in the u.s and that's another you know interesting thing and people feel good about. But those are the kind of products that people use here. iPhones and you know everyone knows Windows and and, and all that sort of stuff. Facebook, you know. Colgate. And, yeah. And Johnson it's all, and Johnson, yeah, so, it's many, brands so many so many companies. Know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And what are the most popular ETFs?
1: So yeah, ETFs are, four of the top five ETFs at the moment have an ESG aspect to them in mm. Australia. And I think 20% of our funds under management in ETFs are in relation to ESG Um, exposure through ETFs, which is really interesting, but also, I think, because of our customer base. Is it part
2: of a reflection of the demographic? Yeah, I think
1: so. 80% of our customer base are under 40 Mm -hmm. um, and really believe about putting their money where their beliefs are and, you know, the environment's very strong, clean energy, but also esg exposure it's hard to kind of work out what social and governance is in that Mm. esg bit so when you have fund managers who can package that up quite nicely because people do believe about supporting companies which are trying to do better and trying to do good in the world so that's yeah four of the top five and then we have the etfs which provide uh, diversified exposure to australia the us and then um, the world um, excluding the us and those are the usual sorts of etfs Um, thematic etfs uh, great now that people can also then kind of focus in on battery tech or gaming or like there's so many ETFs out there, but yeah, people are still focused on on putting their money, make the world a better place, but also diversification across you know, the major markets.
2: And of course the major markets, I mean, if we just look at an ASX 200 ETF, for example, there's the, the top 200 stocks, obviously, but I always ask the question, it, do we really need to own all of the banks and do we really mm-hmm. need to own... I mean, do we really need to own Telstra? I mean, it's great for dividends, but, you know, the share price movement has been pathetic for many, many years.
1: Yeah. And that's why you can find these ETFs which exclude some of the banks or just look for high growth companies or like there are so many ETFs out there managed by great people that give you all the detail of the underlying and say, yeah, because mm. do do we need exposure to all the banks? It's like, but mm. you can just go ASX, you know, top 20, probably all the banks again. But there are, there are ETFs which, which you know match your interests match your values and and that's um that's really interesting and, and people do flock to those
2: and i think it's also always important as well to understand to look under the hood of an ETF and because if you own maybe 3 or 4 mm. um, broad market exposure ETFs in the Australian market there's going to be so much correlation across that and people don't realize that
1: yeah that's right so diversification kind of goes like if you have you know if you've got five Australian ETFs the overlap's going to be pretty big, so you've got to mm. you've got to think about that. And again, like lots of blog content, the Money Smart um, website that ASIC does is really good about talking about. We love um, ASIC. Yeah, we love <laughs> ASIC. Um, that that website's really good. No jargon. Talks about how to invest in diversification as well. Obviously, we've got some great content on Cheesy's about that as well. But yeah, you're right. It's like just because it's an ETF doesn't mean that some of those things might be the same. So you've got to got to think about that.
2: And I've noticed there's a lot of educational material on Sharesies as well. So um, a, a listener just starting out for the first time, where would you direct them? I mean, what's the first thing that they should learn?
1: So go to sharesies.com.au and then we've got a learn section in there. And that talks about, you know, what is investing? What does it mean to be an investor? What should you think about? Um, and kind of budgeting tools on. As I kind of said before, you want to make sure that you're paying down your debt and you've got an emergency fund, and then you want to start investing. And really have a look at that. And then the best thing to do is just start. And because you can invest from one cent on Chesies, you don't need to put a lot of money in there. You can put $5 in there and just start getting a feel for the market, how to to put an order on. You can sign up really quickly, um, all digital, no forms. And then you can be trading within minutes and you can Buy a share in a company, you know, watch it, see how the share price goes. Start being interested in what's going on in the media about it. You know, learn more, feel more confident, start investing a little bit more, you know, get your ETF so you have that diversification, but then also have a look at a company that you like and, you know, if you Lithium's the future, you know, buy that or, or, or some of the brands that, you know, supermarkets, like there's so much opportunity, but you don't need to spend a lot of money to do that. And it's like, get in there, start a habit. Um, and just kind of build that over time.
2: Yeah, a couple of guests have said use terms one is learn by doing mm. and just listen to the words because the words aren't gonna make sense for a long time.
1: Yeah, and you just you just get it. Like mm. um and it, it is it is learn by doing because then you're more confident, people start talking to you. The the thing about the growth in New Zealand, two billion dollars funds under management for the New Zealand platform, 11% of the population in New Zealand trade on sharesies. Lots of people were never investors before. When the founders kicked off the idea, they asked people, hey, if you had 50 bucks and you needed to do something with it by Friday, what would you do? No one talked about investing. And they said, well, you know, if you wanted to invest, and in what would you do? No, oh, I don't know how to start. 50 bucks isn't enough. It, it would be scary. I have to go into an office. There'll be someone in a suit. i have to fill out some forms. And they just wouldn't invest in it. So I see that two billion dollars as money that pro- that may have never been invested, mm. and two billion dollars can change lives. And and people are sitting around at dinner talking about their invest with their kids. My family, we never spoke about investing. Dad, right. Dad was a cop. There was no extra money, um, really, until I came to Australia and started working at the stock exchange and stuff. I didn't know that you you know this. How can you make income other than just your job? Like these things were never discussed. So. You've got to start somewhere, and because you can, the barriers to entry are low now. Give it a go. You know, everyone. Some things will go up, some will go down. You might make a mistake. That's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, most people will just talk about, oh, I brought afterpay it, you know, three dollars and made you know, a mozza. It's like people don't always tell you about
2: the failures. Yeah, the failures, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. you know,
1: but everyone does it, and it's not. And if you're just investing a little bit of money, well diversified, portfolio, all <laughs> things being equal, will will go up, but there will be some ups and downs.
2: What about the, there is a bit of a debate about um, platforms and some are on the chess sponsorship model mm. and others are on custodial, isn't it? Yeah, custodial hands. Yeah, and Chess is his custodial model. Uh, is there any disadvantage or advantages between the two?
1: No, it's, Australia is very, it's an outlier in the world to do with indiv- people holding their shares individually. So uh, it's a holder identification number. So on a chess statement, it's in your name legally. And
2: but that's that, when you get those paper statements yeah, all the thousands time. thousands so of you, paper statements <laughs> yeah. and
1: like, how do you, where do you find where they are and what do you do with them and like all that sort of stuff. And then back in the day, um, Wraps were invented in Australia, so Macquarie Wrap is a very popular one, BT Wrap, where all the assets in that financial instrument were owned by one custodial nominee who does all your paperwork for you, does your tax statements, manages all the admin of those, those shares. And that's what Sharesies is. And it used to be that you paid a premium for that model. And now, you know, with technology, it's easy to do. It's no cost to do that. So we hold it in a custodial hand. But you still own your shares. You legally still own your shares. Um, and the custody hand also enables us to fractionalize a share. So you kind of get the benefit of being able to buy a dollar of a te- uh, Tesla share rather than the whole share or, or bits of ETFs. So there's lots of benefits in relation to ease of admin, consolidation of tax reporting. You still own your shares. We're still regulated. Your money's safe versus a, a hen model. Um like both uh both do the same thing, but it's just, you know, what suits your purposes better really. And
2: and what about the brokerage? I mean if you're buying a dollar's worth yeah. of a company, is it what's the brokerage? Super
1: <laughs> cheap. So it's like um point five of a percent.
2: Oh so there's no minimum <laughs> no amount. minimum. It's a, it's a yeah, so if you
1: yeah. buy one cent of a share, we make a tiny bit of brokerage on that.
2: So what would you tell someone who has only got five dollars to invest? I mean it really seems like a long way in the future to just start with $5.
1: But you've got to start somewhere. And I think it's the habit. And mm. so we talk to people and people are really proud that they've invested their first dollar or $5 because they're an investor now. And that means a lot of things to people.
2: Like, it changes the way you think about it. It so changes psychology. You start yeah.
1: looking at the, looking at the world in a different place. You think about, you know, you're invested in a company, you look at their products and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I can see that people really are interested in those products you know you read the papers more you talk to your friends about it you start investing more like regular investing habits are massive the power of compounding returns is magic like you know you put five dollars a week in it say if my dad put five dollars a week away for me every week when i was born i would have a lot more money in the bank than i do now and lots of that is interest off interest or returns off returns not the amount of money you've put in but the habit is the best thing. And do you the- ever tell
2: your dad that? <laughs> yeah, I do.
1: I do. <laughs> no, I put money in his account. And he says, "Ungrateful kid." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like, yeah, that the power of a habit. And yeah, five dollars might not change the world for everyone, but that's a significant amount of money over time. Like, you know, it's time in the market, not timing the market, and that regularity of investing and just getting used to it, and then putting it up to 50 bucks when you can afford it or a hundred dollars or it's like superannuation right so it's like just that power of time is um super important
2: okay brendan doggett thank you very much thanks very much for joining me today thanks for having me actually i just wanted to ask you to say i love hearing the word pathetic with a kiwi accent (laughs) (laughs) pathetic no you've been in australia If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for
0: information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation.